0: Good evening. We welcome everybody here that's here tonight. And uh, of course we wish everybody was here tonight, but we understand that some are sick and maybe some are are traveling. We do hope that we have more of you back with us soon. The church is meant to be together and we, we need each other and It's awesome to be together and sing songs. I appreciate everybody that's here today and this evening. And uh, your presence is certainly an encouragement to me. And I hope that I am to you as well. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians. I've been preaching through Ephesians uh, most this year whenever I uh, preach. Today is, uh, I'm kind of skipping part of Ephesians because I want to get to something that's on my mind that I think is applicable for this time in our lives. I do want to say this, make this statement that there is a war going on. There is a war going on amongst us and around us. We need to understand what's going on. In my house, I often tell my kids and my wife or people that talk to me about what's going on in my house and say, really, I don't know what's going on. I just live here. You know, I'm the last to know what's going on. And I could probably hear an amen inside the head of my wife right now. Because a lot of times I don't know what's going on. It's like, what's wrong with you, John? Wake up, you know. I live in la-la land sometimes, but I think sometimes maybe in the church we can be in la-la land thinking everything's just fine and dandy and, and we have an awesome church here and the congregation is awesome. I love being a part of this group. But there's a war going on. There is stuff that we are fighting every day in our culture, even in our own homes, in our families. It can't happen even in the church. We need to know what's going on. I heard one man say one time from the pulpit, I can't tell you who it was, it's been a long time ago, but he said, Christians are the only ones who really know what's going on. That may be somewhat true. What he's talking about is that Christians are not the only ones that know how to fix a broken down Chevy pickup. Or the Christians are the only ones that know anything about economics. That's not what he's talking about. He means Christians are the ones who have been spiritually enlightened by the Word of God to see spiritual things in reality. The book of Ephesians, or the letter of Ephesians, is much about that. It's about the church being opened up in our eyes. You know, our, our theme for this year was 2020 vision. You know, having the vision of God. Seeing what God sees. Seeing what God wants us to see. And God wants us to have our eyes open to the spiritual warfare that is going on. I've mentioned that a few times in the book of Ephesians. So perhaps you've turned there and I have not. So hang on while I turn over to Ephesians. I want to remind you of a couple things that I often do remind you. I never get tired of Ephesians. Maybe you get tired of me saying it, but uh, hopefully not. Ephesians is a powerful letter from Paul inspired by God. It begins by lifting us up into the heavenly realm with Jesus Christ and it ends by pulling us down on our knees in humble and trustful prayer to the Father. That's where I want to get to this evening. But before we get to that part in Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about praying, I want you to be reminded that that Paul tells us Through inspiration, how awesome it is to be a Christian. And we ought to be just ecstatic about it. We've been blessed by God with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are with Him in, in the heavenly places. God tells us that we are chosen and adopted children. He tells us He has lavished us with grace. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. He has given us the mystery of His will. We are receivers of an inheritance. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are loved by God. We are made alive together with Christ. We are God's workmanship created for good works. We have been given God's peace. We are saved by grace. We are made one with Jesus and all the believers. We are made citizens of God's kingdom. We are members of His family. We are built into a holy temple. We have boldness and access to the Father. We have power beyond all we ask or think if we just ask for it. We are given the unity of the Spirit amongst us. We are individually gifted by Jesus Christ Himself. Every one of us is gifted. And God has given special leaders, special uh, gifts to help equip us for the work of service in God's church, even here at Milwaukee Avenue Church of Christ. We have been made holy. We are to walk in a holy lifestyle. And we are made to be light in this dark world. All of this is out of the book of Ephesians, or the letter of Ephesians. We have been given instruction on how to make our relationships work with marriage and and children and service to masters. We are to give glory to Christ in all those relationships. And God has given us armor to make us able to defeat Satan and his, and his demonic forces that are arrayed against us in the warfare that we are engaged in. Now that section I have not preached yet, so I'm going to go back to Ephesians 6 later on the, the armor of God. But turn your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 10 and following. So listen to the Word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, which is the sword and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now note verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, beyond the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. There's a lot of breathtaking things in the book of Ephesians. Just the amazingness of who we are in Christ and where He has placed us in the heavenly realm with Jesus, but it is also in that heavenly realm in which Satan exists and works against us. Our eyes need to be opened to what's going on. And Paul uh, prayed about that earlier in the the text. In Ephesians chapter 1, he had a prayer, and I've mentioned this before. I've preached this lesson before. So bear with me, but be reminded that Paul said in chapter 1, having heard of the faith... Verse 15. Having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints... I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, Paul's prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named not only in this age but the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet, gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then he prays again in chapter 3 that he prays. He bows, he bows his knees, verse 14 of chapter 3, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, put on your armor and then let us pray. This book is packed with power, and Paul is praying for the church. And I say today, we all know what's going on in our government. We all know the struggle that's going on there. We understand that government is trying to is always changing. We worry about those things. The battlefronts is not just in the government. The battlefronts is in our schools, in our universities. The battlefronts are in our local government. The battlefront is in your workplace. The battlefronts are in your home, in our TVs, on the radio. The battlefronts is in your own mind. Satan plays games right there all the time. We have to be aware. And Paul says, I want you to understand that God's got all the power and the ability to help you through life to be victorious. And life is a struggle. Life is a battle. Christianity is not a cakewalk where we're just la la la. And just, we don't know what's going on. We're just going on our way to heaven. Woo woo! Everything's great. It is great. Right? But if we're not careful... When we see all those blessings that we have from God and all the promises that are, are that are ours we can get spiritually arrogant we can become spiritually comfortable and we like being in church with our brothers and sisters because it's a comfortable wonderful place and I'd rather be here than any place wouldn't you <laughs> I know we have a lot of brethren that wish they were here tonight and I wish you were too. Some of them just can't right now. But we need to be praying for you and you need to be praying for us. Because a lot of the battlefield that's going on in here is in our minds. We think we can't do this and we think we can't do that. And God says, you can be victorious with me. You can fight the good fight of faith. We are the church of Christ. We are God's people. We must stand up and be counted. We must stand up and be seen. We must voice up our... voice. Our, that's not the way to say it. Voice up our words. You know, speak our words. Let our voice be heard. Don't be silent. Don't be crude, don't be rude, but don't be silent. Being a Christian and putting on the armor of God does not give us a magical, mechanical means of whooping Satan. We still have to work at it. We've got to... Pray for God's blessing. Pray for God. God is the giver of the honor. God is the, of the, the giver of the blessings. God is the giver of our direction. God is the giver of strength and power. God is the giver of an intimate relationship with Him. God is the giver of heaven. God gives to us. And we must not act like it's all on us. We must not be smug. We must not be complacent. The church of Jesus Christ is awesome. It's a place of the redeemed. It's a place of the saved. It's a place to rescue others. And it needs to be a place of prayer. I say that because I know I need to pray, pray more. I have so much more I could should do in prayer. But when I say prayer, I'm not talking about just... Just throw out some prayers here and there. Look back again with in, in Ephesians chapter 6. After he talks about putting on the full armor of God, we are fighting against the rulers, the powers, the moral force of darkness, against Satan himself, spiritual force of wickedness in the heavenly realms where we do live and we do exist. And we are in battle against that. And how dare we think we can do it without God's help? And yet, so often I don't pray like I should. He says in verse 18, right after he talks about the Word word of God, the sword of the Spirit, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. There's four alls there. Look at your text. All is mentioned four times. All prayer and petition, at all times in the Spirit. With all perseverance, petition for all the saints. How many saints need prayers? Just the weak ones? You see, sometimes those who seem to be strong need prayer as much as anybody else. Who do you think Satan's after? Who do you think he's trying to tackle? Who do you think he's trying to trip up? Christians who confess that they believe in Jesus Christ. We need to have all these types of prayers. We need to pray at all times in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helping us pray. I mean, we have got to be working in the prayers. That's what we're talking about. It's the the prayers, the the working prayers of a righteous man does avail much. The scriptures tell us that. We need to pray with all perseverance or steadfastness. And he says in that same text, to be alert in prayers. How many of you have ever fallen asleep in your prayers? I have. It's kind of sad. You know, I mean, so I've heard people say, well, isn't that a nice way to go to sleep praying? I guess, you know, but I feel guilty every time I wake up and realize I fell asleep in my prayers. How alert was I in that prayer? You see, we take prayer too casual. We pray pray at our meals. We pray at the beginning of a sermon or a lesson of worship. We have a prayer at the end. Those are all good things to do. But we need to have prayers individually and even together where we are working our hearts out and our eyes may be wet. Because we are laboring earnestly For souls of mankind and and souls of our church members, our own selves. How many of you know somebody that's lost that you love? How many are strained that need our prayers? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 talks about the devil's like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. <laughs> he doesn't quit. He's relentless. I submit to you tonight that Christians need to be as relentless. When we stop fighting, we get taken over. God's got all the power we need. He's given us armor, but we have got to put it on with prayer. And we need to pray with steadfastness and alertness, for all the saints need prayers. Prayer is to saturate all aspects of the Christian life and warfare. Turn your Bible over to 1 Timothy for a minute. I'm going to mention this because this time of year, we uh, this time of every four years, we have a major election, and I'm not here to be political, but I'm here to say we need to be praying about it. Go ahead and vote, but pray about it. In Second Timothy, turn your Bible to Second Timothy. Is that the right verse? 1 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Timothy 2. I can't even read my own writing. What's wrong with me? Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. First of all then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of a few men? No, it says all men. And then he is specific. And I want you to notice in verse 1 it says, first of all then, which means this is important. I think that myself included, with maybe a lot of you perhaps, we don't think about it being that important to pray for our leaders. But Paul says, this is very important that we have entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority such as presidents and governors, mayors, so that we may lead a quiet, a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We need to have entreaties where we have deep seated heart needs expressed to God. We we beg God. We beg God. We ask God humbly for specific things, even dealing with leadership of our nation and our country and our local governments. Kings, presidents. Prayers is a general word, but it means pray for general things, but do it earnestly, not ritualistically petitions are interceding on the behalf of other people. And of course, thanksgiving is showing gratitude for God to God for the things that He's given us, the things that we see that are good. We can even be thankful for the governors, government we have. It could be worse, right? If you don't think so, uh, think again. We need to be thankful. And whoever is in, the, in the office... We need to pray for him because God says prayer might make a difference. If you don't believe it, let's go back to the Old Testament. I'm getting carried away here, but I think about Ezra and Nehemiah and the, and the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple. Ezra had blessing from a King, king Cyrus, the King of Persia. They're not even God-fearers. But Cyrus, the king of Persia, was stirred up by God himself. I wonder why. Perhaps there were some men praying that God would do something. What about Nehemiah? He fasted and he prayed. If you turn to Nehemiah chapter 1, you see he's just heartbroken over the, the ruins of Jerusalem. And he's just praying, God, just. I'm just, he, he, he put on sackcloth and, and ashes and he prayed and he wept. He prayed to God and he said, God, help me talk to the king about this. And, and, and he said, just help me know what to say. And God helped him and the king blessed him. And the king said, You need some lumber? I got some force you can use. Oh, you need letters? I'll give them to you. These are not even God fearing men. What I'm saying is, whatever our government is, we need to be people like Nehemiah and Ezra who trust in God and seek uh, His blessing and help. I love the story of Nehemiah. That's not my sermon today, but I just want to mention that. I want you to think about a text with me. I'm going to be try to be careful and not to be too crazy with this text, but he, Ezekiel... If you have a Bible, turn to Ezekiel 22. And this is kind of a depressing text. Uh, I'm not here to try to depress you. I'm here to try to (laughs) inspire you to pray more. But during this time, Israel was making a lot of bad choices. A lot of mistakes. And it affected their whole nation. And I, I see a lot of these sins in our nation as well. I talked about the battle friends that are out there all over our nation and in our backyard. The things that we need to fight against and fight for, for for godliness. In chapter 22 of Ezekiel, it says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, will you judge, will you judge the bloody city? Then cause her to know all her abominations. You shall say, Thus says the Lord God, a city shedding blood in her midst, so that her time will come, that, and that makes idols contrary to her, to her interest for defilement. You have become guilty by the blood which you have shed, and defiled by your idols which you have made. Thus you have brought your day near, and have come to your years. Therefore I have made you a reproach to the nations, and a mocking to all the lands. Those who are near and those who are far from you will mock you. You of ill repute, full of turmoil. Behold, the rulers of Israel, each according to his power, have been in you for the purpose of shedding blood. They have treated father and mother lightly within you. The alien they have oppressed in your midst. The fatherless and the widow they have wronged in you. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbaths. Slanderous men have been in you for the purpose of shedding blood, and in you they have eaten at the mountain shrines. In your midst they have committed acts of lewdness. In you they have uncovered their father's nakedness. In you they have humbled her who was unclean in her menstrual impurity. One who has committed abomination with his neighbor's wife, another has literally defiled his daughter, daughter's in law. And another in you has humbled his sister, his father's daughter. You have taken bribes to shed blood. You have taken interest in profits. You have injured your neighbors for gain and oppression. You have forgotten me, declares the Lord. We could go on and on. It is sad. It is depressing. It's full of evil. And when you get down farther, I want you to see a scripture. I'm going to read a couple more just prior to that. Uh, verse 23, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indign- indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst of her. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane and they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they hide their eyes from my sabbaths and I am profaned among them. I want to pause here to say this. When when Carol and I were looking around for a congregation to worship at, one reason we chose this one is because this congregation distinguishes between the holy and the profane. Our preachers love God more than the praises of men. The eldership loves the praise of God more than the praise of men. And as I read this, I don't see our congregation, but I do see our nation. This next scripture I want to say or read Say, read is amazing to me. In verse 30, the the prophet says, I search, God says through the prophet, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it. But I found no one. That is tragic. I'm here to say this evening God is still seeking men to stand in the gap. And women to stand in the gap. Are we those who pray Without ceasing? Are we those who put on our armor? Are we those who are praying for one another? Are we standing in the gap for the righteousness of our nation? You see, when people stop doing that, God gives up on a nation. This is history, this is truth. I say these things. It's a sobering fact. But it's also a call to battle. It's a call to fight. It's a call for the men of God to stand up, take your place, and be a man. Let's be the church. Let's be praying for one another. Pray to help one another. Put on the armor. Pray to fight off Satan's uh, schemes against us. Pray for your leaders. They have a lot of dangers. They have corruption. They have uh, lots of evil. They have possibility of being assassinated. They have a lot of things on their minds. We may not like them, but we need to pray for them. Because ultimately, God is in control. God is seeking a man to stand in the gap. Who will it be? I have one little poem I'd like to read as I close out. This is a poem by William Cooper. I don't know him, but it's a prayer. I mean, a a poem. Restraining prayer, we cease to fight. Prayer keeps the Christian's armor bright. And Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. I don't know how you see yourself. If you see yourself as too weak or frail, you feel like you can't do much. Maybe you're, you're old and, and, uh, and, and are tired. But I'm telling you today that you can pray and put on the armor of God and pray for the saints, pray for yourself, pray for this church, pray for this country, and stand in the gap. Let's make a difference. If you need the prayers of the church this evening, We call you to let us know. We'd love to encourage you if we can as you encourage us. We ask you to examine your hearts. And I'm asking you to pray more often. Pray more fervently. And be alert in it. Because we are victorious with God. Let's stand together and sing please.